Hello all, welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, Artie Kulik, and with me here is the man that I would, I don't know, I think you've stopped a few fist fights from people beating the hell out of me. That's the greatest other host, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, that's true. I remember stopping you from trying to fight somebody at a Ziggy Marley show. So. <laughs> well, Ziggy Marley yeah. gets my blood boiling. <laughs> yeah, you were. You, you might have had too many adult beverages, and all that gentleman was doing was saying, excuse me. I think he put his hand on me, though. He put his hand on you like anybody would to be like, oh, excuse me, let me get by real quick. And uh, you assumed he wanted to fight. You yeah. also kept trying to get me to get girls numbers. <laughs> well, I needed, I needed some numbers. Oh and I needed and your, you also I needed, growled at our brother's Dalmatian's dog's face when we got back to his house. <laughs> well, the dog was growling at me. Needs he to know, destroyed you. <laughs> needs to know who the boss is. Yep. Okay, so Ty, I'm going to start off talking about what happened in Texas. And mm-hmm. if you guys don't want to hear it, then skip five minutes, okay? I could really give a rat's ass less because there's a reason we're talking about something just really stupid today is because I just want to talk about something stupid because of this. But when's it going to be goddamn enough? I mean, today is my kid's last day of school, and I am freaking relieved Mm -hmm. because I know where I live, and everybody's like, oh, well, this was a poorer community. You know what? Ten freaking years ago, ten years ago, Sandy Hook wasn't a a poorer neighborhood, and I I know, look, let's be honest here, Ty. It's one political party that does this, and. Look, Absolutely. I have plenty of issues with the Democrats because they seem to scream for two or three days. And the last I heard is the president's a Democrat. The head of the House is a Democrat. The head of the Senate is a Democrat. So why they let Mitch McConnell and the NRA do whatever they want? Well, they're they're you know weak, spineless people. But still, at the end of the day, at least they're not promoting a group in an organization that happily will kill children. A terrorist organization. And that's what this is. So... I I'm I am just tired. <laughs> I am I am tired of being afraid. I worked in this industry for a while as a lobbyist for trying to prevent gun violence and we would mark the anniversary of Columbine. Mm. And now we're marking an anniversary by the weeks. I mean, yeah, by the day. It's not this whole look this like the onion says, this is the only goddamn place this happens. Okay. Yep. That's it. This is it. Nowhere else in the world does this happen. So, what makes us different than everywhere else? And for all you Republican crybabies and you ghouls like Ted Cruz, you can all go fornicate yourselves as far as I'm concerned. This thoughts and prayers is just, I've had enough, Ty. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's. Kids are supposed to feel safe in, you know, their homes, their grandparents' homes, their friends' homes, and the school. Their grocery and, stores, their churches. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, it, this is this is kids we're talking about. I mean, ages 6 to 11 who don't get to go home to their parents, and their parents don't get to see them ever again. And the police did nothing. The Republican Party is doing nothing. Mad respect to Beto O'Rourke for going after Governor Abbott like he did. I think that was the right thing to do. I'm sick and tired of hearing how masks are going to traumatize our kids or how vaccines are going to traumatize our kids. It's guns. Guns are the problem. We need more regulation. We need gun reform now. It's frightening to be alive at a time where people think that this stuff is just normal. We can't, we can't get numb to it. We can't, 
like you said, think about it for two days and move on to the next thing. This is this is frightening stuff that we need to fight some way, somehow. I'm sick of it. I can't deal with it. I can't imagine the pain that those parents are going through right now and thoughts and prayers are never going to bring those kids back and those teachers back that died. I mean, it's it's an atrocity. It's a massacre. It's horrible. And it all could have been prevented. Yes, it could have been. So, again, Fox News, the Republican Party, particularly Ted Cruz, Greg Abbott, these people, mm-hmm. you are ghouls. You're un-American. You're nightmares human beings. No more negotiating, Democrats. No more. Stand up for the country. I mean, I thought that I thought you took a damn oath. So stand up to it because these jackasses won't do it. Oh, okay. Frustrating. Frustrating. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So people come to us for stupid BS. Ty, let's talk about stupid BS. Please, please, let's talk about stupid BS. And I, I'm fired up. I'm thinking about it. So I've had this idea for a little while here because the last one I want to talk about, I actually want to give a special shout out to as being, I think, the best, most realistic fight in movies. But we're going to talk about fights, you know, punching. Well, not just punching. There's a variety of other things. But, yeah. you know, fights between people in movies and what we think the best ones are. Now, I know you go look through the list. I've never seen the movie Old Boy. I'm sure. Oh, I have. It's a... Uh... It's a depressing movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, I still think one of the best fight scenes I've seen ever is in the first season of the Daredevil show where he's in a hallway. I mean, that's that's just an incredible scene. But we're talking movies here, Ty. And mm-hmm. a lot of them, especially the first half here, there's some brutality to these fights, but there's also almost some some ballet, Some especially the first mm-hmm. one we're going to talk about, some very incredibly advanced moves. Where into the second half, we're going to get into some of the sloppier ones or, you know, things of that nature. And there are, I'm going to at the very end talk about a few because I'm not going to mention anything about Fight Club till the very end and I'll explain why. But let's get this party started, Ty, with a movie I just recently showed my son and that's Raid Redemption. I love this movie. This has to be one of my top five movies of all time. I actually just recently showed my wife this movie as well on our uh, Friday night date nights that we do. I mean, I remember hearing about this movie, I don't know, eight or nine years ago and people talking about, oh, you have to watch this movie because I'm not a violent person. Obviously, I don't condone violence or do anything like that. So I feel like my way to get it out is to watch movies and watching a movie like Raid Redemption. You said it. It's like a ballet of violence and there is weapons that are used in this movie. But the stuff that I really enjoyed, really like watching in this is the hand-to-hand combat that happens in this movie. For people who don't know, Raid Redemption is about this group of um, police officers who need to go through a tenement building to get to this drug lord who's at the top of it. And there's certain scenes in it. There's one scene, Rama's the main character. He has this incredible fight scene in a hallway where he's just fighting off massive pushers and drug users, users and people. And he, the way he fights, there's one scene where he takes a dude's head and he hits it four times going down a concrete <laughs> wall. And it's just, it's incredible to watch him do that and watch that fight scene. But the two main scenes I think about in this all the time are when one of the main bad guys, he's got long hair, he wears it in a ponytail. He's fighting one of the police officers and it's just the two of them going at it, back and forth going at it. It's this great fight scene and it ends with the bad guy saying, this is what I do. And he takes the cop and he breaks his neck. And he just walks out and he's carrying the cop and he brings it to this other guy. But the main fight scene I think about is Rama gets into this building to help out because his brother is working for the drug war. And his brother's being beat up by this other bad guy he's been working with the whole time. And the three of them have the most epic fight scene in like, 
I don't want to call it like a freezer, but it looks like a freezer, mm-hmm. just like an apartment building in there. And it's this amazing fight scene where the three of them are just trading blows over and over again. And you don't know who's going to win it until the very end of the fight. And it's just this incredible display of great choreography and the way they put everybody in there. It's 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 the in my opinion, it's the best fight scene I've ever seen in a movie. Yes, I agree with you. I know, <laughs> And I know exactly what you're talking about. And it is. It is just, as a matter of fact, a lot of people aren't going to believe this, but that is the longest fight scene that we're going to talk about. I think it's like close to six minutes long. It's it's a long one, but yeah. it's worth every single oh, second. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's one I'm going to mention. I'm going to start off the second half, which everybody's going to be like, I remember that. That was like 30 minutes long. But I'll, I was shocked when I found out it had just missed the top of it. But yeah, I'll tell you, Ty, when I first put this together, I was thinking about modern movies. And I was thinking, you know, superhero movies. There's a couple sure. of the, the Batman just came out. And there's a couple of vicious, you know, beat up scenes in there. And the obviously the Chris Nolan, Chris... Uh, Christian Bale Batman movies. I almost was going to put as a great fight scene the Joker making a pencil disappear in the Dark Knight. Oh, but yeah, um, and I mean, there's Bane and Batman, but some of these they didn't. I mean, a lot of they're good fights, but they don't elevate that. Now, of all movies, and I think I've not seen the new Doctor Strange movie yet, but from everything yeah, I understand, I- yeah, everything I understand, it's still the best of these Marvel movies. I think is uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. I, I think Ragnarok, but that's just personal uh, it's, it's a different thing altogether <laughs> yeah. but still i mean and look i've got this background of political science and grew up during the end of the cold war so a lot of winter soldiers yeah. like political stuff matters to me but far and away the elevator fight scene in that movie which again i watched all of these fights uh before we recorded i watched a bunch yeah. of them yesterday and this one's only like two and a half minutes long but awesome. Captain America and I think I, I counted, I want to say there's like nine other dudes in there, mm-hmm. all kind of big dudes. And the way it's all set up, he knows something's about to go down. And when the last dudes get in, he just says, before we start, do any of you want to get off? And then <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, it's it's two minutes of just pure, again, it is ballet. It, it's mm-hmm. not not in any way brutal or things like that, but it is ballet and it is well, totally. well done. And then at the end, you see all the dudes laying on the ground, all licking their wounds. He just kicks his shield up and yep. and the movie continues because then dudes with guns are coming after him. Well, and that's such a cool scene, too, because it's in such an enclosed space, yeah. you know, so that makes it even better. I mean, who would have thought that a couple of guys that directed some Arrested Development shows could... <laughs> And happy ending. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and could could make that because that's the Russo brothers' first Marvel movie. Yeah, okay. and it's it's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. Really good one. All right, so I'm gonna embarrass myself on some of these next one tie, but because they're movies I definitely need to see, and one is it's sitting there on HBO Max, I think, for me to watch, and that's the you know the known action star Bob Odenkirk in the movie Nobody, <laughs> which again I think we've talked about this before. I've been watching old Mr. Shows. Uh, my mm-hmm. son, one of his favorite things ever is The Devastator. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then I've, you know, I've been watching Better Call Saul. Uh-huh. And look, it's still like, it's a great show, but it's still Bob Odenkirk. It's still Bob Odenkirk. There's still 100%. So him yeah. that. I guess I just never thought of him being an action star, but tell me about nobody. Well, that's the funny thing, too, is I don't think he thought of himself because the whole premise of this movie was just like, if you or I had to become action stars, it's essentially a dad. Bob Odenkirk plays a dad, but he used to work for the CIA and he's like this known, you know, badass in that movie. But this scene happens fairly early on and nobody's like a 90 minute long movie. So it goes by real quick, but it happens fairly early on and we don't really know 
what his character's deal is. We see him, he's kind of put upon, you know, people take advantage of him at his job. His wife isn't like all that into him and stuff. His kids, you know, kind of make fun of him and he's just kind of put upon. And then one night he's sitting on this bus ride and these guys are treating this girl wrong. And you kind of see him get angry. He gets upset. He starts to, you know, kind of just show his, his, his stronger side. And he tells the bus driver, like, get off. I'm going to take care of this from here. And what proceeds to happen is, and it's not in a, as a confined space as Captain America Winter Soldier, but it's in a smaller bus, you know, a bus that anybody would take on the, not like a school bus, but a little bit of bigger bus. And he proceeds to just beat the hell out of these guys. And that's kind of like his coming out party in this movie. And we see how truly badass Bob Odenkirk can be in here and he's ripping, you know, pulls off the wall and hitting guys across the face with them and punching them and just doing all this crazy stuff. But what I enjoy about it is what I really like about this fight scene is that it's an awesome fight scene to watch, but you also, Bob Odenkirk's character gets tired. He's tired while he's fighting because he's an older guy and he hasn't had to do this in a while. And they get some shots in on him, but he just keeps going at him, keeps fighting, keeps doing his thing. It is truly John Wick-esque, but if John Wick were like a put upon dad who's finally at the end of his rope and he's just gonna start fighting back i think it's an amazing fight scene and i think the movie nobody is incredibly underrated like more people need to watch it and props to bob odenkirk because he does a great job there's comedy in the movie there's stuff like that too but the fight scenes are really well done and it's all him so again keeping with i i don't think we were necessarily surprised by any of this because look i've seen keanu reeves kick ass in the matrix movies and Mm-hmm. Uh, all that stuff. And I think Keanu's great. He's supposedly a great human being, but let's yep. be completely honest. He can either play in Bill and Ted or he can play in the movie where he's kicking ass. And yeah. nothing kicks more than the John Wick movie. So, what fight in particular comes to your mind? There were so many we could have chosen from this, you know, series that's three movies, about to be four movies deep. But the one that sticks out to me is from John Wick 2. I believe it's near the end is where he's in like the Hall of Mirrors and some weird kind of nightclub and he's fighting that deaf girl. And you talk about, and the deaf girl is a pretty famous actor. She was on Orange is the New Black and I believe she played uh, Batgirl or Catgirl or something until she got hurt. I can't think of her name right now, but the two of them trade blows in this room of mirrors. And because she's deaf, the way they communicate with one another is sign language and you want to talk about balletic, balletic type performance and choreography. This is this is second only to that that fight scene in Raid Redemption with the three of them going at it. But this scene's just amazing, and with the Hall of Mirrors that it's in, it's almost like are are you seeing the real person that's fighting? Are we seeing a mirror version of this person that's fighting? And it feels long lasting, but it's not that long lasting. But it's just a really really well done fight scene. And I think of all three John Wick movies, this is probably the best choreographed one it's the one that i go back and watch the most and it's the one that i i think i just admire the most of, of any john wick movie that's come up yeah was it a uh, ruby rose was that the yes, actress ruby that did? rose okay, yes yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, i was trying to remember yeah no i it's i mean again so many just such a great movie <laughs> such a great, all of them all of them are I, such I got, a great premise and yeah I, I set it off but i say i have to see the third one i'm i can't to, believe you haven't seen the third yeah there's I a great fight scene between him and common in the third yeah one. yeah i just i i definitely need to get to that so speaking of bob odenkirk-esque unconventionalism i believe it was doug lyman who did the movie he did uh swingers i think he did go also but he he's done a couple of obviously he's done bigger movies since then. I think Doug Lyman did The Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise uh-huh. uh, Emily Blunt movie. 
Very but, good movie. Oh, great movie. Yeah. But he, Bra- there's a book series, the books about Jason Bourne, who was the part of the secret CIA group who gets amnesia and is basically rediscovering himself. And the first one is, you know, I think the Bourne Supremacy or something. That's pretty good. It's a, you know, good, decent movie. And then Paul Greengrass took over for the next two. And his little, like, weirdo, kinetic, always moving camera and things like that. And somehow Matt Damon went from being, ah, he's a pretty pretty decent dude in an action movie, went and being a full-blown badass all of a sudden Mm. when Greengrass took a hold of him. And I don't know if you've seen any of these movies. This is my little dirty little Uh, secret. I've never seen any Bourne movie. Okay, now, of the Bourne movies, the three of them, the the first one that Lyman directed and the two with Greengrass, I think are great. I have not seen the other ones, but... I do think the third one, the Born Ultimatum, ends pretty perfectly. Okay. Learns learns he's from Missouri, but um, hey. <laughs> but there is a scene, and again, it is it is absolutely incredible. I'm just going to explain this. I'm kind of glad you've never seen it because you're going to be blown away by basically how I explain this. There's a Julia Stiles plays like a friend of his, and he's the these CIA dudes are coming to kill him. He's I want to there's somewhere I want to say they're like in uh, Italy or some Italian village. It's one of those really narrow streets. And mm-hmm. buildings all next to each other. And he's jumping from building to building because nice. this dude is going to kill Julia Stiles. And you see him jump into a window when he sees the guy and they go into a bathroom. Okay. So they're in a bathroom and it is, I mean, I, you watch this. It's amazing they were able to pull this off. I don't know how many times they do because it's fast, it's brutal. I mean, just beating each other. Well, the dude ends up, the guy that Matt Damon's fighting ends up getting like a razor blade and Matt Damon takes a, um, which one, or Jason Bourne takes a, a towel and wraps it around him, or wraps it around his hand, moves his hand around. But the best part at one time, the guy, the attacker grabs a candlestick and Jason Bourne grabs a book and beats the hell out of him with a book. <laughs> <laughs> it is incredible. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> so, odd. It's like John Wick beating up Boban in John Wick 3, which you haven't seen yet. No. Nah. He, he uh, murders Boban, the professional basketball player with a book in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it is unreal to watch. And it is, uh, I mean, like I said, the movie, a lot of people are don't really like Greengrass's style because it's a handheld camera and it's very bumpy. But compared to, like, the amateurs that do it, he knows what the hell he's doing. And I think for the Bourne movies especially, it just... It works perfectly. Yeah, I need to see these movies because I've heard all good things that I just, I always go back to 40-year-old Virgin where they're like all sitting in a big room and they're talking to Steve Carell's character and they're watching one of the Bourne movies in the background and Paul Rudd's character is like, you know, I always thought Matt Damon was kind of like a cake eater, but he's really kicking ass in these Bourne movies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I do remember around, uh, I forgot what Ben Affleck was doing. I think he had just got cast as Batman or something and Uh, Matt Damon gave a... um, gave us uh, gave an interview somewhere where he said it was disappointing that actors of his generation were like sl- not doing what they got here to do being serious actors but they're just doing mm-hmm. big superhero movies and i remember ben affleck i think it was on saturday saturday night live and he addressed it i think it was during weekend update he goes yeah so matt damon said this about actors of his generation you know me doing superhero movies and he said i'm sorry what ibsen play is the jason Bourne movies based on <laughs> good stuff <laughs> affleck does have his moments yes he does yeah so i thought that was always pretty good but let's end this with probably of all of these the most uncomfortable 
fight mm-hmm. scene that you're going to I saw see. this movie with our mom in the oh, theaters, too. God. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Somebody was telling me, a friend of mine was telling me the other day how he saw Boogie Nights with his mom. Oh, that's <laughs> worse than seeing this with your mom, I'd say. And this is, I've only ever seen Eastern Promises once, but this is like the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, 20, 20 minutes into yeah. it. Yeah. For a fairly long movie. So tell me about Vigo Mortensen in this package. Yeah, so I actually read the the graphic novel that this movie was based on because I had seen the other movie, History of Violence, prior to this. Yeah. And I really liked that, and I like Vigo Mortensen. So I remember seeing Eastern Promises, and I was still living at home, and I'm like, hey, Mom, come watch this weird movie with me because you like Vigo Mortensen. So we went to see it, and Eastern Promises, for people who don't know, Vigo Mortensen plays some kind of cop or something who infiltrates the Russian mob, I want to say. Yeah. I believe it's the Russian mob, and... There's a scene where he's in a bathhouse, and as you mentioned, he is fully nude, and you see everything, Mm -hmm. literally everything. There's nothing that you can't miss while watching the scene, but two guys come in to start to fight him, and he is protecting himself, so he's fighting back. Again, completely naked, he's fighting back, so things are flopping around, and it's just stuff moving around, but these two guys, I believe, both have knives, and they keep going at him, and he keeps fighting them off, fighting them off. Eventually, he gets the knives and he takes care of those two guys. But again, much like the scene in Nobody, what I appreciate about this is you see the the people, the actors, the characters portraying getting tired. It's not realistic because it's a movie and it's based off a graphic novel, but it's as realistic as something like that can get because I don't like it when you watch these movies and you never see these people get tired and they continue to fight and fight and fight. And I think that's everything we've talked about to this point is you see these people getting tired while they're fighting each other and... The fact that this is done in a bathhouse, that Viggo Mortensen, the actor, was willing to go in the buff and do this scene. I actually know, as uncomfortable as it was watching it with our mother, it's a really good fight scene and a really good movie that really moves the plot along. And it's done really well. And now that I'm going to be 40 at the end of this year, it's like that stuff doesn't bug me like it used to bug me. And again, I go back to I appreciate that whoever made this movie is like, you guys are going to get tired, so show that you're tired. While you're fighting each other. And the fact that he fought off two Russian mobsters, pretty badass. Viggo Mortensen had a pretty good run with History of Violence violence and Eastern Promises as being like this regular everyday dude who could be a real badass. It's funny, you know, Viggo Mortensen, I think most of us discovered him with, um, with uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. Which I've never seen. Yeah. It, <laughs> and But you've seen, I mean... You want to talk about a guy that's had quite the interesting career, and especially David Cronenberg, who, I don't know if you've heard of his newest movie. (laughs) I'm very intrigued to see what it's all about. Yeah. People are walking out of can right now while they're filming it. I mean, look, there's a, my wife and I have an ongoing thing about Cronenberg because of his movie Crash, and not not the one that won the Oscar. The one about no. people having sex w- around car crashes. Yeah, they're <laughs> fetishizing car crashes. And you told me about that movie, and I watched it. And it's one of the weirdest things. I've, I've ever actually seen. never seen it. That's the joke between my wife well, and I. Because told when, me about yeah, it. Yeah, so when I we were because you told me. Yeah, about when it. we were first dating, I she was like, "This movie's stupid," and I'm like, oh, you just don't know anything about art." And that's the and joke. You've never seen it. Yeah, I've never even really <laughs> seen it. Now I do love movies. Like I told you, I'm going through my old sci-fi, so I'm watching like Scanners and yeah. um, the the Fly, the Ugh. Jeff Goldblum. The movie fly. still makes me sick to my stomach. 
But then you talk about like history of violence and he did. It's, it's weird because you talk about history of violence and then you talk about Eastern Promises and it's like Cronenberg's normal period. Yeah, they're his quote unquote <laughs> normal movies. But he still had to give Viggo Mortensen in a complete buff. And well, that's what happens yeah. in the book, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Hello all, this is RD, and I want to take a minute here just to talk to you about how you can support this great podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, all the work we do on SeedSync.com, and especially all the hard work that Ty does bringing you the sports knowledge and the pop culture knowledge that you just so deeply want, and how you can support me bringing you all the political knowledge that you definitely do not want. We have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and look up the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. And for just five bucks a month, guys, you are going to continue to be able to give you all this great content, give you the things that we are also craving that we know we need. And then in addition to that, we're going to be launching a Patreon-only podcast called the Ex-Millennial Man Political Report, where we're going to go through kind of more of a deep dive on my personal thoughts and other people's thoughts on what's going on politically around our country. That way we can keep the Ex-Millennial Man and as your place where you're going to go to find out all the most important things. Guys, we created this, Ty and I did, because me being from Generation X and he being a millennial, honestly, I was tired of hearing about Citizen Kane's the greatest movie ever. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong, but we kind of got tired of, wait, nothing since Citizen Kane can be better? I mean, come on, Back to the Future is way better. To some of us, Fast and the Furious movies are way better. This is a place where we can talk about that stuff and where you're going to get that, again, not opinion, true fact of what is the greatest ever when it comes to music, sports, politics, all that stuff is SeedSing.com and the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. So come on over to Patreon. Five bucks a month is all it is. And hey, if there's something more you need from that, come hit us up. Tell us. You need t-shirts. We can give you t-shirts. You need handshakes. Maybe we can give you that. But come on over to Patreon, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, and now I'm going to get you back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, this isn't what caused me to do this podcast, but this is the fight that I thought of immediately when I thought of doing this podcast, okay? I feel like, you know, we talked about Cronenberg at the end of the first half. And then last week, I talked a lot about John Carpenter. Uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks we ago. Right, right. Week. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I had to turn another bit around the, the sun. Then happy, go. happy belated birthday, by the yeah, way. Oh, thank you. Even though for the listeners, I called you on your well, yes, We yeah. chatted for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to spend my weekend in beautiful Toledo, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Which I do quickly about that because I just think it's an interesting story. Is my son and I, and we were driving around Toledo, and because my wife was out of town, and I hung out with her last Friday, yeah, helping so, her with the table. <laughs> so we went. We were looking for something to eat, and we originally I was thinking of going to a Toledo Mudheads game, but they weren't playing. Yeah. So I drove. Uh, I just drove by the stadium, and there's this little river walk and some restaurants there. And I told my son, "Oh, we'll go. We'll go find one of those places to eat." And there was uh, like an Italian restaurant, a Mexican restaurant. Then there's a place called uh, Hamburger Mary's, I think. And he's like, oh, hamburgers, let's go there. And walking into it, it looked kind of like a retro diner. And then I noticed that some of the uh, wait staff, the women, um, had a very mannish look to them. Okay. And then I saw two older gentlemen, older than myself, dancing closely in this. I'm like, okay, where are we here? And it wasn't that busy at the time. And then I realized that it was a drag place. 
Nice. <laughs> I wasn't going to leave, though. I was like, okay, that's no. going to make me even no more way. of a jerk or anything. And my son seemed okay with it and everything yeah. until the drag show started. Okay. <laughs> And it was it wasn't anything. And first off, I'm going to say this freaking great burger. It was I'm still thinking about that burger. It was really good. (laughs) Um, And my son was happy with his food, but he was a little nervous. And I think he was nervous because he felt like he was the only kid there. Sure. And I'm thinking to myself, these people here either think I'm the greatest parent ever or they think I'm some kind of pervert. And (laughs) and it was, you know, the show started uh, the uh, um the uh they were singing the shania twain it's good to feel like a woman or something mm-hmm. and then anyways he i was like okay we'll get going we got the check and we left and while i was leaving though i saw this other table mother and father and like all these daughters are around my son's age they were having a great time so i don't feel as bad anymore yeah, but not yes, at all, dude. that is the story of me taking my son to a hamburger joint that is run by drag queens and which I, I then found out ty that it is a chain and there's one in st louis i think off of washington Oh, okay. Well, so, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go try this burger now. Though. It was really, really good. <laughs> anyway, hell yeah. Anyways, Absolutely. I had to tell that story. So, no. So we're talking about John Carpenter, and there's obviously Escape from New York, and there's things like the there's movies like The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China. But a lot of people, especially my age, are gonna remember the movie The Thing, or not The Thing. I'm sorry. Uh, they Live. A lot of people yep. my age are gonna remember the movie They Live, and just very, very basically, I there's. Three things we all remember about this movie. We remember Roddy Piper puts on sunglasses and sees that aliens have taken over, over the world and everything's subliminal messages. And if he has the sunglasses on, he can see who the aliens are. Second thing that everybody remembers is Roddy Piper walking into a place with his sunglasses on, a bank, with a gun. And he says, I came here to do two things, chew gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of gum. <laughs> That's a fa- I've never seen the movie, <laughs> but I know that line. And then the third part is... David Keith plays his buddy or someone like that. And uh, Roddy Piper, and I swear to God, Ty, I'm not going to play the scene because it's long, but Roddy Piper walks up to him there in like an alleyway and he says, put these sunglasses on. And then David Keith punches him. And then Roddy Piper punches him. And then they get into a huge fight for what feels like 20, 30 minutes, but it's a few seconds less than the raid fight we were talking about. And about putting on the sunglasses. Yeah. So when I did research for what we're doing today, that kept popping up. And I'm like, what is the deal with sunglasses? Because I've never seen this movie. So it's a great movie. It really it has one of the f- best final shots of a movie I've ever seen. It's, That's what everything I read said about it, is that it's fantastic. But I've and I know the you know chew gum and kick ass line, but I've never seen the movie before. Yeah, it, and this fight is it's got the good sound effects. It's got the good you know and all that stuff. But it is it is just it is so out of place. Sure. So I mean, and again, I think this is a very very good movie. It. It, I think a lot of people remember it for that fight scene or that line about chewing gum and kicking ass. But it's uh, for a Carpenter movie, a lot of people don't put it up there with The Thing or Big Trouble in Little China or Escape from New York. But it's up there for me. It's, that, it's just that fight scene is so weird. <laughs> so when did this movie come out is my first question. It was mid-80s. Mid-80s? Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's... Is that 1988. 1980. Okay, so that that makes a lot of sense with that, and also like, or I keep saying David Keith, Keith David. Sorry. Oh yeah, but like also, why would such an established director like John Carpenter say, you know, who I'm gonna build a movie around? Rowdy Roddy Piper. So because wrestling was so big back then. Well, supposedly the story behind it is Kurt Russell was gonna do the movie. 
And that's that would have ruled because Big Trouble in Little China uh, right. and the thing and everything. That would have been great. Yeah, but I think what had happened is I, I think uh, some for some reason the, the rumor of the story is that they could not they couldn't get Kurt Russell for it, and they basically had everybody else. And I think it was uh, Carpenter went to a WrestleMania. And got to meet Roddy Piper and thought, okay, he's my second choice. That's supposedly what the whole thing. Okay, was. yeah, that, those are my two questions. I'm going to definitely watch this movie though because I've heard I've heard it mentioned for years and years and years now. And then doing research for what we were recording about today, I saw it on every single website yeah. I went to. So the fight scene must be pretty epic. Ty, the next one I have to go to is not necessarily anything about being a, a great fight by any means, but probably being the most important fight ever in film history. And that's because of Rocky Four. Now, <laughs> I don't. Rocky Four is not a good movie. <laughs> well, it's it, yes, you're right. It's not a good movie. Uh, Rocky Four came out in 1985. And I remember seeing this movie in the theater. And I, I'm trying because I know really? I know our older brother Ross was with us. You and our other brother might have stayed home. You might have been too young, but it was yeah, on, it would have been like two and a half or right. three at the time. But it was Thanksgiving out. Day, and our mother was like really sick. So okay. I right. want to say I don't think you were there at all, but I know at least Ross was and maybe Seth that our father took us to Denny's to eat. And then we went to go see Rocky Four. Okay, I remember hearing this story now growing up. Yeah, and the the reason I love why that our dad took the three of you to see Rocky Four. Well, what's what's so incredible about this fight is first off, the movie starts out. You know, it's always you have to scale up. So Rocky fights Apollo Creed, and in the first movie, and then loses. Which yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Rocky loses Great. in the first movie. Okay, mm-hmm. guys, and then the second movie. Uh, he fights and beats Apollo Creed, and then he he fights Mr. T, Clubber Lang. Mm-hmm. And so, well, what's next? How do you go higher? And so they decide communism. He's going to fight communism. Yep. And communism is Dolph Lundgren's Ivan Drago, who's yep. got, again, Russia, has superior technology, has drugs, <laughs> has all this other stuff, is so badass that he kills Apollo Creed. Yep. And next, so Rocky has to go fight him. And Rocky... Rocky gets brain damage that is going to last 20 lifetimes in this fight, but he wins because it's called Rocky. And then he gives a speech and I here, I I got, I just got to play this speech. During this fight, I seen a lot of changing. The way you felt about me and the way I felt about you. In here, there were two guys killing each other. But I guess that's better than 20 million. So what I was trying to say is that if I can change, and you can change, Everybody can change. And then that tie, that was the end of communism. So, again, as I said at the top, when you started talking about this, this is not a good movie. (laughs) Is it the fight with with, um, Apollo Creed or is it the fight with Rocky where Ivan Drago says, I must break you? 
Oh, I think that's Apollo. Oh, that's with Apollo. Yeah. Is that with Apollo? Yeah. yeah. And then also, isn't Brigitte Nielsen? In yes, this she movie? is. Yes, she is. <laughs> Man, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sylvester just Stallone did something so well with Rocky One and Rocky Two. And then he just got way too big for his britches. Oh, yeah. Because like, like you said, and I've heard other people say, oh, this is the movie that helped demolish communism. And that awful, awful man, Ronald Reagan, probably loves that, loved that movie when he was alive. Again, awful person. But Rocky 1 and Rocky 2 are so good. This one, it's not as bad as the one where he fights Tommy Machine Gun, Davidson, <laughs> yeah. or whatever his name is. But this one is, it, it might be the second worst one of all the Rocky Yeah, movies. look, the first Rocky movie is a great movie. It is a yeah. really, really good movie. The second Rocky movie, it's enjoyable. I actually think Rocky Three is incredibly entertaining, and you well, know, Mr. T is fun in it. Yeah, and that was one where Mickey dies, so it's kind of sad in that yeah. way. And you guys always made me do a Mickey impression when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're right. Rocky, first off, Rocky Four has James Brown singing "Living yeah. in America" at the beginning. <laughs> Apollo gets killed. It's got some weirdo robot in it, which it's insinuated near the end that Paulie might be having sexual relations with said robot. Yep. And he ends communism by beating up the dude on Christmas Day in the Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, it's that's, messed up. That's the 1980s for you right there. A hundred percent. Okay, let's go back to just a pure, utter, brutal beatdown. And... Kind of like with They Live, this seemingly comes out of nowhere, but it is, I, I think, it, it, I actually think this is great for this movie. I said before, about a year ago, showed my son uh, Billy Madison, still his favorite mm -hmm. movie ever. And Ooh, then rules. we're like, oh, we'll show you a more nuanced, grown-up version of it, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you refer to it as nuanced. Yeah. You know, which he, he likes that movie, too. But come on, Ty, there's there's many memorable, memorable, memorable. I mean, hell, uh, Christopher McDonald, his Twitter handle is Shooter McGavin. Mm -hmm. So, But there is just one iconic scene that really comes out of nowhere. For people who may not have seen the movie or whatever, Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler plays this hockey player named Happy Gilmore. It turns out he can drive the golf ball really far, and he's not good at first, but through help of, isn't it the dude who plays Apollo Creed? I was about to say, out? I was just yeah. about to say, two movies in a row, Carl Weathers. In fact, yeah, Carl Weathers is this, you know, his golf teacher who lost his hand to an alligator, which is another great, I could have put that fight, the fight with the alligator in there, but no, Happy gets better at golf, and as he's progressing, he plays in a pro-am. I'm not a golf fan by any means, but I know that pro-am is where professional golfers play with celebrities, and the celebrity he's teamed up is with is Bob Barker, and you know, they're nice and cordial and friendly at the beginning. But Shooter sends his heckler out to mess with Happy Gilmore during this. And he's shooting as bad as he's ever done. And you can tell as they're going on that Bob Barker's getting more and more angry with him, just mad at him. And they're kind of making sniping comments back and forth. And then Happy just misses a shot real bad. And Bob Barker says something to him and Happy loses it. <laughs> so he goes after him and he just starts to fight him. And to see Adam Sandler in his Boston Bruins jersey constantly punching Bob Barker and over and over again. But that's the thing is the fight is even. Because mm -hmm. Bob Barker comes back and he hits him with like five left <laughs> jabs in a row. And then at one point they're rolling on the ground. Happy picks him up and he like headbutts Bob Barker. And that's when he says the line, kids cover your ears. The price is wrong, bitch. And then Bob Barker's eyes open like he's just away <laughs> from the dead and proceeds to beat the hell out of Happy Gilmore. And as he's done, he kicks him and he walks away from him and everything. And when you told me this topic and with how crazy the world's been lately, it's like I wanted to find one fight that really makes me laugh. And like you said, this comes out of 
nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did not expect this to happen at all when I saw this movie. But it's such a good fight, and I love the fact that Bob Barker ends up beating him up in the end. And it, what makes it even better is that a little bit later on in the movie, when Happy's eating Subway with his girlfriend, he stops at one moment while he's talking to her. <laughs> Akin to nothing, he says... God darn it, I hate that Bob Barker. <laughs> it's, still, it's still stuck in his head so many days later. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's yeah, it's great. It is really, really great. Well, Epic. The, I mean, he headbutts Bob Barker in the face. Yeah. And God bless Bob Barker for, <laughs> for sure. For, for doing, sure. I mean, oh, I was lucky enough, we talked about it before. My wife was on Jeopardy, and it was when Alex yeah. Trebek was still alive. And it's interesting when they are filming or when they're taping the show it's almost done in real time so when there's commercial breaks alex would talk with the audience and i just always had this idea in my head because he was kind of a cranky dude i mean Mm -hmm. he wasn't mean or anything about it i remember he was upset about all the grunting in women's tennis or something like that but (laughs) i just had this thought in my head of alex trebek fighting happy gilmore and (laughs) yeah totally it would have been just as fun yeah all right, so I'm gonna we're gonna talk about a few honorable mentions. I have a few other ones I was gonna say, but I'm gonna end this with the thing that inspired this because the movie Bridget Jones Diary, which I have never seen. Okay, and that's I'm not. I look. I understand this. It was a huge book, probably a big mm-hmm. movie. I think it was Renell Zell- Zellweger's first Oscar nomination. My wife really loves that movie, but something so like yeah, something I keep going back to. People say so. <laughs> Colin Firth and Hugh Grant. And this is Hugh Grant at his Hugh Grantiness with his oh, yeah. hair and his smugness and stuff. I guess they're both. I, I think the movies or the books a play off of the book Pride and Prejudice. They're both, I guess, wooing Bridget or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they meet, they see each other outside. Again, sorry, I don't know everything because I haven't seen the movie, but they see each other outside of a, of a it's like a Greek restaurant. And Hugh Grant, like I said, is his Hugh Grantiness. Colin Firth is this really kind of uptight, uh, kind of regular dude or uh, you know stand-up kind of dude. He just punched. He's like sucker sucker punch as Hugh Grant, and okay. it's 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 like it's it's bad. It's a sucker punch, and so they start getting this fight. Now, what makes there's a few things that make this fight great. First off, it's the most realistic one of all these fights because in all reality, we're not going to be like in the raid or. Even in Happy Gilmore, landing these perfect punches. It slaps and trying to tackle each other and biting and all this other stuff. But what makes the two things that make this fight great is first off, the song It's Raining Men is playing over the fight. Nice. <laughs> and second, they get they go into the Greek restaurant and they start fighting with people and Colin Firth like runs into somebody's plate and he turns around, he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'll pay for all of that. He's apologizing <laughs> yeah. while he's fighting. <laughs> it is it's just it's sloppy. It's it's not on any of these lists you'll see, but it is the most realistic fight you will ever see. And then just having it's raining men playing in the background makes it great. Yeah, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. Is that it sounds like you and I were to get into a fight with somebody in a random restaurant or something like that. It's raining men is used really well in movies and TV show because, like, you know, I think of that song from The Simpsons. Yep. And uh, not it's I raining. Believe, <laughs> well, I believe Homer's playing or whatever, and he says, "Oh, it's raining men," and Mo punches him and says, "Not no more." So, <laughs> that song gets used really well in movies and TV shows. Ty, I did want a a few here, like just I'm not going to go through them all, but uh, like uh, honorable mentions. I do have to mention Bloodsport. Never seen it. Look, I'm not as big of a fan of that movie. It's one of those movies that's supposed to be like of my age or whatever. Near the end, it got to admit Van Damme 
when he gets blinded and then he does the splits and knocks the dude out. I mean, it's 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 an epic fight. I'll do that. I did want to mention the movie Roadhouse, which has, never seen that either. <laughs> yeah, was it? What's the stupid line he has in it? Like pain don't hurt. With Roadhouse, there's I mean Patrick Swayze beats a dude up and rips the dude's throat out. <laughs> yeah, I, I have seen like clips of that on YouTube and whatnot. And then a movie like Fight Club, I look. There's a lot I could have put in there. Jared Leto getting his absolute, you know, the <laughs> stuffing beat out of him. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's a movie called Fight Club. A lot of great fights. But if I was to really include one. I would have included the very first one between Tyler Durden and the narrator where he's like, hit me as hard as you can. And he basically slaps him in the ear. Yeah. Because, uh-huh. again, I that. that's the most realistic <laughs> one. Is there any others that you had thought of? Well, I mean, it just, again, doing research and stuff and knowing your taste in movies, I'm surprised you didn't mention Karate Kid with Daniel yeah. you know, beating him doing the crane kick, which is funny because my daughter wants to take karate. And we were out back the other day and she was showing me. Oh, you probably never heard of a crane kick, Dad. So she showed me what a crane kick yep. was. But I could have talked about the raid too. There's another great fight scene in a kitchen. That's yeah, it's amazing. And there's a girl with the baseball bat, or the deaf girl and her brother with the baseball bat. That stuff is incredible. I don't know. You know, like you could talk about stuff in Goodfellas and Rest in Peace Ray Liotta because that's oh. another thing that happened. But like, I don't know. The fights that I felt we picked out, I think, really showcase some of the best fights that are. In TVs and movie that we have seen, or at least in Bridget Jones's diary, we we know of. So I think we did a pretty good job picking out some good stuff. Yeah, the only ones, and the, this is actually the next thing I might go back and watch, is a lot of people were like uh, Game of Death or Enter the Dragon, these Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. And that's the thing. I thought about putting any Bruce Lee fight because I went through a humongous Bruce Lee phase as like a teenager, and everything he does is so good. I mean, right. we could have done the one where he fights Kareem. Evans I know that's what I, that's so. So, but Bruce Lee is like a, a category unto himself. Yeah, and that's why I was also because those were mostly late seventies too, mm-hmm. and I was trying to move on. And then I, I talked about the Daredevil fight at the beginning. I mean, there's great ones in TV, but I, again, the ones we went through, the ten that we really discussed. I mean, these are iconic. Yeah, I 100%. mean, everybody remembers. Like I said, I've never seen Bridget Jones' Diary. I've seen that fight. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> so, people talk about it. It's something they all talk about. And, well, and I've never seen They Live, but I know that line yep. because everybody says it all the time. Well, at the end of the day, Ty, when we watch these fights and especially something like They Live or The Raid about four minutes in, I'm saying... When I thought of this podcast and I did that line, I actually sat back to watch that Simpson. I hadn't seen that one in a long time. Yeah. And it's just so, so good. Like, why is Homer beating the yeah, I was say, That's what makes that scene so great is that it's like a Hamburglar-esque character. Homer is so upset that he's taking the burgers from these kids that he beats him to a bloody pulp. It's, I mean, The Simpsons is the greatest show ever, and that scene is one of the greatest scenes in TV history of all time. <laughs> yeah, keep going off on tangents. But so there's a Twitter account I follow called The Simpsons Line a Day. And the one they had the mm-hmm. other day was, oh, not Albany. It's more of a Utica expression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the steam hand? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the one today, as a matter of fact, was uh, Springfield hit a high temperature today, um, or hit a second, or hit a high temperature today with temperatures higher than this were only seen four million years ago when the Earth was covered with lava. <laughs> <laughs> 
And man, to just be a writer on that show must be like some of the most fun. Yeah. You know, with the poochy stuff too, it's like, what were you guys smoking when you came up with this character? And the writer says, we're eating rotisserie chicken. <laughs> yep. That's fantastic. Oh, well, Ty, if somebody needs to bring you in for the raid three, where are they going to oh. find you? That would rule. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, you can read my stuff on SeedSing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. We talked about it at the top, but I wrote a piece I'm very proud of this past week about just what's going on in the world today. So you can check that out there. Again, that's SeedSing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us, check out our Patreon, all that good stuff. And as I like to end this stuff, get vaccinated. I went online today at my folks' house this morning and got my kids signed up for their booster without even having to talk to a person. It's that easy. You can go on your phone. You can do it. I know numbers are going up at some places, but we are seemingly returning to some kind of new normal, if that's what you want to call it. Just continue to go get vaccinated. Do anything and everything you can to help out the people of Uvalde and Let's get some gun reform and some gun law changes. It's it's way past overdue. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, we repeat all that. Seedsing.com, ex millennial man. I laid it out at the beginning and I can't I didn't I didn't sleep Tuesday night. I mean mm-hmm. I where I go work out, they always have they have a bunch of TVs on and there's always Fox News on one and CNN on the other one. And I, I never really watch it, but every now and then I'll I, I'll just observe it. And I could not go because I would have put my hand through the damn Fox News one. And it, it's, look, you guys, I really encourage everyone, this has more to do with vaccines, is David Cross. Have you seen this where he talks about the woman in the concentration camp? I have not seen this. Oh, it's it's really good where he says, you know, this has happened, this has happened, her family, her kids, everything. She gets put into this shower and she goes, wait, maybe this isn't a shower. And why are all these other people here? And as the gas comes on and everything's doing, it's like a five-minute bit. Then at the end, he says, and the last thing through her head is, why did I go get vaccinated after the Spanish flu? (laughs) It's like, people, this is simple. This is so simple. It is so simple what we can do to just protect our fellow person. And if you are sitting there today thinking it's more important to protect a gun than a child, you don't... (sighs) You're you're a bad person. That's all. I'll yeah. Say. So evil. Yeah. With all that being said, uh, we thank you for years. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex Millennial Man podcast? Remember, we're here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting show. And Ty, that's uh, it's the end of the school year for my kids. So um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll go ride a roller coaster or something tonight. I don't know. <laughs> so. Something for do something fun with your kids. Hug your kids. Squeeze your kids harder. We could go to the NRA convention in Houston, Texas, because I don't allow guns in it. No, I'm not. No. (laughs) Nothing to do with that terrorist organization. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.